Act Three of In Chancery by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three Home Sweet Home. Scene Room comfortably furnished in lodging house fashion. Centre back a fireplace. At back left, a door. Down stage left, a window practicable. Down stage right, a door. Right centre, a couch. Behind couch, a small table, on which stands a terracotta bust. Up stage right, set across the corner of the room, a piano and piano stool. Piano open. Behind piano, out of sight, a stool or chair for business. Before fireplace, an armchair. On mantelpiece, framed photograph of actor playing Jolliffe. A quantity of letters stuck in chimney glass. Downstage, left centre, a table and two chairs. Good lamp, lighted. Landscape picture hung on wall, right. Other pictures, furniture, ornaments, etc., etc., to fill spaces. Nighttime, blue gas row, or lime, outside window. Music at rise of curtain, home sweet home. Kittles, a servant girl, is discovered placing a lighted lamp on table, left centre. Where's Mrs, I wonder? In her own room a morning over the dear departed, I suppose. Looking towards window. Hello, that won't do. A bill's got topsy-turvy. Goes to window and turns bill. Apartments for ladies and gentlemen upside down. That ain't the way to fill our establishment. Mrs. Jackson enters right. She is a comely woman in widow's weeds. What are you doing, Kittles? Kittles, showing bill. Apartments for ladies and gentlemen upside down. What? A bill's got topsy-turvy. Oh. Kittles readjusts bill. It doesn't matter much. I shall never let my rooms in this dead and alive place. Excuse me, Mum, but I don't think as how you goes houtin' about enough. You ain't been to Rocheville Gardens not once since I've been with you. Gravesend is the gayest place I've ever lived in. Have you ever been out of it, Kittles? Kittles, proudly. No, Mum, never. I was born and educated here. <sighs> it will drive me mad comes to couch and sits. You know, Kittles, I lost my husband some two months ago. Yes, Mum, I've heard you mention it. My income being very small, I was obliged to look round for some means to add to it. This house was advertised as being splendidly adapted for the letting of apartments, and the landlord described it as Brighton-on-Thames. I brought my furniture from London three weeks ago, and here I am. The house is splendidly adapted for the letting of apartments, which nobody seems to take. <laughs> I suppose the best visitors sleep in the open air. Oh, do cheer up, Mum. When the people do come, they'll come in shoals like the shrimps, and then you'll be able to catch them alive and boil them. Ah, go away, Kittles. You're vulgar. Yes, Mum. Going to door left and turning. 
oh mum excuse me mum but i only wishes how i was a waiter good gracious why because oh, it seems so much more easy to get a husband when you're a widow mrs jackson rises kittles coming down to window hark mum there blessed if there ain't a fly with some luggage at our door three people inside and one out they can't be coming to this house kittles opening window oh can't they though there's a gentleman getting off the box mrs jackson in a hurry show them in here while i run and make myself neat be quick kittles kittles excitedly yes mum i told you so mum i told you so the shrimps has come the shrimps has come bustles off door left mrs jackson looking in chimney glass oh i suppose they'll only ask the rent and drive away but i think i'd better go curl my fringe in case mrs jackson runs out door right a murmur of female voices is heard off left then kittles enters this way mum this way mum if you please aside oh crikey what swells kittles right of door comes down left mrs smith enters followed by walker and john walker carries her mistress's plush bag john has the wraps and a bag or two how weary i am do sit down ma'am there there's a dear walker places mrs smith upon couch right centre then takes smelling salts from bag and holds them to her nose thank you walker looking round this is melancholy enough aside to walker but it's better than another dreadful hotel she leans back wearily and closes her eyes john to kittles oh you let apartments here don't you crossing his leg and leaning on table kittles looking him up and down and imitating him yas aside oh, crikey here's a tip-top valet john looking round this is the sitting-room i suppose sitting-room for the master and the missus standing-room for the domestics john looking at her with disgust what other rooms are there well i lives in the kitchen i don't want to know where thought you might like to pay me a visit thomas girl walker to kittles you mustn't speak to mr to john in that way oh i begs pardon i'm sure i wasn't aware as how you monopolized of him he won't break i suppose she digs john in the ribs walker and john move away right centre indignantly as jolliffe is heard without john john kittles aside here's the master i expect jolliffe enters he wears a white hat and one brown and one white kid glove melina i am ignored sits left centre i don't know whether it's with your sanction and approval but i'm ignored john aside to melina melina when are we to shake off this lunatic mrs smith to john have patience montague he's our safeguard if the detective is on our track again we still have the wrong man ready for him instead of the right one jolliffe takes off his hat 
and is about to put it on the table when he catches sight of Kittles, who is laughing and covering her mouth with her apron. Jolliffe, drawing his hat back and looking at Kittles. What's the matter? What is the matter? Kittles pulls herself together, then laughs again. The attendance in these apartments is most unsatisfactory. Holding out his hat to John. John? No notice is taken. John, my hat. John looks at him savagely, then turns away again. John, you can take. Oh. Checking himself. Oh, yes, I did give you your month this morning. He puts his hat under the chair, then sneezes. Uh, Melina, I don't wish you to reproach yourself, but my cold arises from your having requested me to ride on the box seat. Taking his gloves off, sees that they are odd. This comes of leaving one's hotel in a hurry. Kittles goes to door left. What is the name of the girl here? Kittles, mum. Kittles, tell your mistress I am waiting to see the apartments. Yes. Mum, I fancy missus is a puffin of her face. Kittles crosses to door right, then looks round and laughs at Jolliffe loudly. Here, hi, you. What's your name, Kittles? Yes, sir. My compliments to your mistress, and I request that she gives you your month. Oh, go along. Bounces off door right. Jolliffe rises and looks about the room inquiringly. Jolliffe, glancing out of window. John, it has doubtless escaped your memory that my portmanteau, my new portmanteau, still remains on the top of the cab in the night air. John, advancing. Well... Well, fetch it. John, biting his lips. I shall not. Mrs. Smith, rising. John. You would see me do that myself? Yes. You would see me lug that weighty portmanteau off that cab, up those stairs into this house? Yes, I would. If you watch through that window, you will do so. He goes out, door left. John sits left-centre with a sigh of disgust. Walker, look the other way and don't listen. Runs over to John, kneels at his feet and kisses him. My poor vexed Montague. Walker sits upstage in armchair. Now they're going to spoon. <laughs> spoon? They don't spoon. They positively ladle. Melina, this fellow is in horrible kicks against jolliffe's hat what's this why if it isn't that infernal fellow's hat out it goes picks it up between his thumb and fingers and flings it out of the open window i say that fellow is intolerable ever since he jumped wildly into our carriage just as the train was leaving steepleton we have never been alone for one moment what plan have you got in your little head now? Why have we come here? Why, listen, you foolish fellow. You know I have an uncle at Colombo. Well, that isn't here. No, but the P&O boat, the Siam, starts from this place for Colombo on Wednesday at noon, and I propose that we take refuge with my uncle till our chancery affair has blown over. Colombo? That's a long way from the club, Melina. Yes, and from Holloway, too. 
rising. John rising. But I don't see why we should be bothered with this mendacious scoundrel. I've told you, the man is under the strange hallucination that he is Mr. Montague Jolliffe and my husband. Confound him. On Wednesday we give him the slip and start for Colombo. But if in the meantime Mr. Hinksman follows us here, this unfortunate person is locked up and you escape. Yes, I see that. I'm very sorry for him, but we're two and he's only one, and the minority must always suffer for the majority. Hush! Jolliffe enters door left, struggling under the weight of his portmanteau, and with his white hat much crushed upon his head. Walker rises. Jolliffe deposits portmanteau upstage left centre, then comes down and looks under the chair left centre. Jolliffe, taking off his hat. It was my hat I found on the railings. He replaces hat under chair and sits as Kettles enters door right. Mrs. is tidy, mum. Will you please to step this way? Thank you. John, bring the luggage. Kittles goes out, followed by Mrs. Smith and Walker. Walker, as she goes out, looks at Jolliffe and bursts into laughter. Hi, you. Thingamy, what's your name? <laughs> Walker. No repartee, if you please. Lucy Adelaide Walker. Oh, I beg pardon. Then Lucy Adelaide Walker, from tonight... Looking at watch. At 9.30, you will take a month. Huh. She flounces out. John has gathered up the wraps, which he has previously deposited by the piano, and is going out whistling. Jolliffe rising. John, unstrap my portmanteau and take out my slippers. John? John pauses at door, turning furiously. Uh, John, you can leave my portmanteau alone. Don't touch it. John goes out contemptuously. Jolliffe triumphantly. That's the first time I ever knew that fellow obey my instructions. Soft music, as in first act. Jolliffe looks round. I don't know what Molina's arrangements are, but I think I shall be very comfortable. I'm beginning to get a little tired of Molina's airs and graces. I wish I could remember what induced me to marry such a disagreeable girl as Molina. Sits on couch, right centre. Oh, the events of this day, no diary that was ever kept has a page large enough to crawl. His eye rests on the little bust on table, right centre. He starts, falters, and moves uneasily, and takes the bust in his hand. I know that bust. I've seen that bust before, often, and often, before I forgot how to remember. Titus said that all of a sudden... He replaces the bust quickly, and edges away from it. My head's come on so bad again. That bust has started it. Beastly bust. He sits. What I was reflecting upon was that it would take a very large diary to... to... His gaze becomes riveted on the lamp on table left centre. He moves uneasily. I've seen that lamp before. The pattern on that lamp is quite familiar. 
He starts up and edges away to centre. He wipes his forehead nervously. Titus never said I should have these sensations. This isn't the sight of somebody's ugly face or the melody of a miserable comic song or the... or... Catches sight of little landscape on wall right. I've seen that picture before. I painted that picture when I was a little boy at Dr. Brown's school in Chelsea. Goes round the room, quickly identifying the various objects. I know that, and that, and that. I... He sees a framed photo upon the mantelpiece. I know that man. Snatching the photo. I've seen that man before. This is the ugly face Dr. Titus spoke about. Runs down left centre to get the light of the lamp. No, it isn't. It's my portrait. What's the meaning of this? What is my portrait doing here? He is at the mantelpiece again. He sees the letters stuck in the chimney glass. He snatches some of them down and stares at them wildly, reading the addresses. Mr. Jackson? Mr. Marmaduke Jackson? Marmaduke Jackson, Esquire? Jackson. Jackson? That's my name. My name's Jackson. These letters are from me. Opens letters violently, throwing them aside as he sees their contents. Income tax. Titus was right. Titus was right. Bootmaker. Taylor. My tailor's bill. He kisses the bill wildly as Mrs. Jackson is heard without. I'm sure you'll be pleased. Sure you'll be pleased. Jolliffe, starting and listening. I know that voice. I know that voice. Mrs. Jackson enters right. That's my wife. Mrs. Jackson, with a scream. Marmaduke, come back. Emily. Marmy. They rush into each other's arms. Music ceases. Oh, Marmaduke, where have you been? I thought I was a widow. Wiping her eyes. And I thought I was. Well, I don't know what I thought I was. But I'll tell you all about myself in a minute. Rapidly. So you've moved from Brixton, Emily. Mrs. Jackson, delighted. Yes, dear. Your employers were very good to me. My employers? Uh, Griggs and Barber, candle makers. I'm their traveller, bless them. With a start. Emily, Emily, how's little Freddy? Beautiful. He's in bed. Marmaduke, how have you got on for undervests? Lovely. Don't wear them. How's Aunt Matilda? Glorious. Oh, Emily, Emily. Oh, Marmy. They sit together on couch. He leans his head on her shoulder. Oh, I'm so glad to get home. Mrs. Jackson, drying her eyes and putting her handkerchief away. And now, Marmaduke, I shall be obliged to you if you will give me some account of your proceedings. <coughs> um, certainly, my dear. I am delighted to see my husband again, of course. If that husband is an honourable, decent, respectable person. You remember what I am, Marmaduke, an affectionate but jealous, determined woman. I'm not to be trifled with. Clenching her fists. And if I find that you've been up to any... But I... 
anticipate, anticipate. Jolliffe dampened. Yes, Emily, you do. Mrs. Jackson firmly. Now you left me about two months ago. To go to Dilchester with my samples. Suddenly. I wonder what became of those samples. Never mind the samples. Go on. At Steepleton Junction, there was a railway collision. I was the only victim. Oh! I was carried to the hotel near at hand, and... Suddenly. How's Uncle Robert? <laughs> Never mind. Uncle Robert will keep. Jolliffe, injured. Oh, I should hope so, Emily. I say, I was carried to the hotel near at hand, and I suppose in the confusion another man's overcoat and another man's card case were carried with me. Well, what of that? I'm telling you, Emily, I'm telling you. Now here comes the strange part of my story. When I recovered, I recovered everything but my memory. What? I had not the slightest recollection of the past. You, little Freddy, Griggs and Barber, Aunt Matilda and Uncle Robert, everything and everybody had gone from my memory. In fact, I was compelled to embark in an entirely fresh career. Mrs. Jackson, quickly. Just as if you were a single, unencumbered man? Jolliffe, leaning back, beamingly. Yes. Mrs. Jackson, starting up, clenching her hands. Marmaduke! Jolliffe, rising. My dear. Mrs. Jackson, in an awful voice. Tell that to the Marines! Emily! Tell that to the Marines! I have once today expressed my willingness to do so. Mrs. Jackson, following him. Oh, bash! Jolliffe, horrified. Emily, you don't mean to say you doubt my... I don't believe a syllable of it. But I... Mrs. Jackson, struck with a sudden thought. Ah, oh, you didn't know when you came here that I was the proprietress of this house? Of course I didn't. Of course you didn't. Mr. Jackson, who is this lady you have brought to reside in these apartments? Jolliffe, wiping the perspiration from his brow. The young lady? The young lady with the two servants. Oh, the young lady with the two servants? Who is she? Yes, who is she? What is she? What is she? Yes, the young lady with the two servants. Attempting to change the subject. You're not keeping anything concerning Uncle Robert from me, are you, Emily? Mrs. Jackson, dumping her foot. How does that woman come here? I'm telling you, Emily, I'm telling you. She was coming in as I was coming in. We were both coming in together. I didn't even notice the young lady was a woman. I mean, um, uh, I don't know. She told me I should find her husband in this room. Where is he? Jolliffe staggers against the chair. Her husband? Her husband. Where is he? Jolliffe looks round uneasily. I don't see him for the moment. Don't, don't see him for the moment. Mrs. Smith is heard without. Unpack my bag, Walker. Here she is. I'll ask her. Jolliffe, in agony. 
I shouldn't... Family matters, family matters. Mrs. Jackson goes to door right and throws it open. Jolliffe darts to left centre for his hat. Mrs. Jackson returns to him quickly and takes him by the collar. Where are you going? Can't make out what became of those samples going to inquire. You'll remain here while I put a few questions to the lady who happened to be coming in just as you were coming in here. She drags him upstage and pushes him behind the piano, his head appearing over top. Emily! If you attempt to stir or utter a sound, I'll... Let me explain. Hush! Here she comes. Mrs. Jackson pushes the armchair against the end of piano so that he cannot make his escape and comes down centre as Mrs. Smith enters door right. I've no doubt I shall be very comfortable. Thank you, Mrs. Jackson. Crosses and sits right of left table. I'm sure I hope so. Mrs. Smith, sitting left centre. And I don't think I need trouble you to remain. Mrs. Jackson, sitting right centre. It's no trouble, I assure you. <sighs> A talkative landlady. You will excuse me, but... Uh... I understood you to say I should find your husband in this room. I certainly left him here a few minutes ago. He must have gone out. Gone out? Jolliffe tries to attract Mrs. Jackson's attention. Mrs. Jackson motions him to be quiet. You seem to be a very young wife. May I ask how long you've been married? Mrs. Smith, impatiently. Oh, I was married about two months ago. Mrs. Jackson starts up. Oh, heavens! The very time he left me! Mrs. Jackson waves her hand to him to hide himself. Mrs. Jackson reseating herself to Mrs. Smith. You are quite contented and happy, I hope? Fairly so. When you see my husband, you will guess from his appearance and manners that I have married much beneath me. Jolliffe rises and glares fiercely at Mrs. Smith. Attracted for the moment, I suppose, by some fascinating, showy young gentleman? Hardly so. Is he fair or dark? Fair. With a small scar on the lobe of his left ear? <laughs> really, I have never noticed. Never noticed? Madame, perhaps I can show it to you. Jolliffe, in desperation, is attempting to get over the top of the piano. In doing so, he slips and falls on the keyboard. Both ladies turn. Mrs. Smith rises. Mrs. Jackson turns to Jolliffe and points to him. Is that the gentleman? That is the person. Mrs. Jackson runs to Jolliffe and brings him down. Madame, this man is my husband. Your husband? No. To Jolliffe. What is your name? J J Jackson. It wasn't Jackson this morning. Melina, don't rake up the past. We're both older and wiser since the morning. Time does fly. The door left opens suddenly and Hinksman enters. Hinksman breathlessly. Uh, hello. Caught you again, have I? Who are you? Hinksman. <gasps> the detective. 
nice job you gave me but we took the next train though all of us jolliffe recoils all of you how many hinksman mopping his head captain mccafferty oh dr titus oh miss patricia patricia oh, oh, oh. patricia who is she why the lady this gentleman was a going to marry this morning mrs jackson to jolliffe what another to hinksman sir this man is my husband hinksman with a chuckle your husband too why the gentleman's a mormon sits at table and makes notes in book what shall i do poor montague will be taken seizing jolliffe on his right he is my husband he said so this morning mrs jackson pulling jolliffe from the other side he's my husband he'd say anything he's mr jolliffe he's mr jackson he's mr jolliffe he's mr jackson the two women pull jolliffe from one side to the other jolliffe appealingly ladies ladies don't divide on this question mr hexman don't let them mrs jackson goes up back mccafferty enters carrying a large pistol case is the scandal here i should think he was mccafferty deposits pistol case on table and alive too and alive only just oh only just mccafferty going down to jolliffe i've brought my pistol with me the same as i fought colonel doherty with years ago oh mrs smith aside i must warn montague perhaps in the confusion he may escape she slips out door right now you'll cross the water with me and satisfy my honour with your blood can't get away can't get away just now my busy time you thought to do for me with the shock of your departure but ye see i'm one too many for ye everybody's one too many for me goes up to portmanteau and brings it down to mccafferty here take back the wedding trousseau it's unworn take back the pocket money it's unchanged putting half sovereign on portmanteau which mccafferty picks up eagerly your bill shall be settled yes when i've settled you or you've settled me if you'll not fight in a foreign country ye shall fight me here you've got one bullet in you already greedy greedy goes down right mrs jackson coming down to mccafferty's right how dare you incite my husband to commit a breach of the peace your husband my husband ah begorra it's not bigamy but trigonometry he's attempting whatever his faults he's the father of little freddy sleeping quietly in his cot at this moment and am i not the father of my little patricia who ought to be sleeping quietly in her cot at the moment the door opens and patricia enters with titus patricia is still in her bridal attire jolliffe hides himself behind mrs jackson 
McCafferty embracing Patricia. Ah, oh, my daughter, there stands the viper. Patricia to Jolliffe. Montague, come here. She crosses centre. McCafferty goes down left, sits back of table. Hinksman goes up back. Go away, go away, go away. I'm engaged too deep. Mrs. Smith enters, door right, followed by John. You shan't touch him. He belongs to me. Uh, he doesn't. He belongs to me. Jolliffe to Mrs. Smith. Molina, I'm ashamed of you. He belongs to me. I've written on his heart the story of my young love. Goes left of table. McCafferty sits back of table. Hinksman coming down right of Jolliffe. Come, come, ladies. There seems to be some little misunderstanding. Think so? Now, my good fellow, explain. I have explained, and I'll do so again if you'll only produce those wretched marines. My name is Jackson. I am the devoted husband of this devoted lady. Titus comes down between Hinksman and Jolliffe. Titus, handing two letters to Hinksman. Oh, Mr. Hinksman. These two letters for you arrived at the hotel as we left it. I'd quite forgotten to give them to you. Hinksman takes letters and opens them, goes right. Jolliffe to Titus. A nice thing you've done. This comes of taking your prescription. I told you to take it easy. You've done so. It's brought you home to you. It has brought it home to me. Titus and Jolliffe go up. Hinksman takes photo out of first letter. Hello? What's this? Why, it's the photo of the missing Montague Jolliffe. To Jolliffe, looking at him. Why, it's not like you at all. Slapping his forehead. Where have I seen this fizz now? Mrs Smith, covering her husband's face with her hands. Oh, it isn't like John. It isn't like John. Hinksman, turning. Why, that's the man. Well, you are an artful couple. Mrs. Smith, embracing John. Oh, Montague, Montague. Hinksman opens second letter. Jolliffe to John. I'm sorry for you, John. The judge will give you more than a month. And you more than a year. No recrimination, if you please. Well, this is spoiling a good job, and no mistake. A letter from Screw and Patchett, Mr. Jolliffe. Reading. Admiral Turvey and Major Gamboyle, having received a most excellent account of the young gentleman who has married their ward, Miss Melina Summers, desire to withdraw from all action in the matter, and are bringing every influence to bear upon the vice-chancellor to induce him to inflict a merely nominal punishment the affair is therefore to be hushed up oh montague melina then everything is settled yeah everything's settled throwing away letter everything's settled hinksman crossing to Jolliffe and saying sharply, Oh, no, you're not settled yet, Mr. Jackson. You are still wanted for attempting to marry Miss McCafferty. Can't be. That lady, 
pointing to Mrs. Smith. Is not my wife. Can be. Pointing to Mrs. Jackson. That lady is your wife. Oh, oh, how intricate the law is. Retires upstage. Titus coming down left. Stop a minute. The charge against this gentleman depends a little on Miss McCafferty. To Patricia. Patricia, we've known each other for a long time. Will you marry me? Patricia crosses left, embracing Titus. Yes, anybody. McCafferty coming down. What about my consent? My dear Captain, think. You'll always have me near you to watch for the bullet. Devil take the bullet. The little drop of whiskey I drink is so good and so strong. I believe the bullet's melted long ago. Mr. Hinksman, this lady declines to prosecute, and I can assure Mrs. Jackson, in any court of law, that Mr. Jackson's strange behavior was solely caused by his railway accident at Steepleton Junction. You hear, Emily? Do you believe me? <sighs> I suppose I must. She believes me. To Hinksman. We shall not require those marines. Embracing Mrs. Jackson. <laughs> Every married man will be trying to meet with a railway accident now. I shan't. I shall give up traveling for Griggs and Barber, and if I take a drive into the country, you shall accompany me. To Melina. I shall never forget you, Melina. Glaring at John. I shan't forget you, John. To Hinksman. I shan't forget you in a hurry. Hinksman laughs. To McCafferty. I wish I could forget you. Oh, by the way... I find I was a commercial traveller, so I shall require two and a half percent off that little account. McCafferty, with disgust. Bah! Jolliffe, crossing to Patricia and shaking her hand. I shall always remember my kind nurse, Mrs. Titus that is to be. To Titus. And doctor, your bill shan't slip my memory. Looking round. In fact, I'm never going to forget anything or anybody any more to audience. And last, but not least, I shall never forget you. Music as curtain falls. The end. End of Act 3. End of In Chancery by Arthur Wing Pinero.